Elegant Sea Urchin is an eldritch audio drama written, produced, and presented by Studio Swoon as part of the Greater Swooncraft Creative. It would mean a lot if you shared or supported us. Head over to elegantseaurchin.xyz for more. And, hey, you, listening. Thanks, and before I tell you to enjoy, I am curious. Do you think I'm in control They said leashes were required and collars, but they knew what I've done, where I've been, and Enzo, Enzo, who's Nothing like Yul Aya's pet rat dog that shivers and barks at every fleeting shadow that's under the... (laughs) Hang on, okay. It started with Aya. Her dimples were a little too low. Like she was scowling while smiling. I'd finally taken time to listen to her now that end school was complete. She was the first of several people who demanded my time since end school was over. There was no time for the last days of purple shine before the golden season. But shouldn't I have had my whole life to spend doing this and that and basking in the purple shine? Here, Aya said I'd do right to go to the shore with her, where she saved me. It's been sad without me. Like crawlers on the edge of your vision, vanishing when you look to them, Aya said. At at the shore, well, as we descended to the hill to the shore, we didn't say much as we went. I got the impression that there was a growing somberidity, and there shouldn't have been after the first part of our jaunt. I think it's hard to explain, but that's how life is. Hard to explain hard to find meaning in, and that's really somber. That's why we have placement and dreadful tendrils watching over us, I think. And we arrived at the shore, and for the first time since I was a girl, there was a shop setting up to sell bites of mystery meat. There were people from the fractured magenta dimension several seconds and people off from our own running about playing games. Enzo snorted and laid down where he felt was the place we should stop. And I asked, how? Before that, Aya said, my dad knows that you hear casts from the fractured magenta dimension. I didn't know others didn't. He knows, Aya continued, that you went there. I wasn't put on ice. Listeners, this was cryo. He knows, Aya said, that Jones is trying to recruit you and that I'm going with you. Enzo snorted, then sneezed. But part of it is because of your wave casting. I couldn't But it's take because this. of you. I stayed silent. This wasn't the worst. Sure. Nullsacked Aya works for him. But that doesn't mean that anyone too serious knows what I've been 
wait. She said it was because of me? What... What have I done myself? I'm no character. I just live my life. Jones, Magenta, Pet Shop, Pobbles, Heather, Thorwald, Eight-Legged Cats. Somewhere in all of those things, I did do something. I picked my head up from my hands. How could Dame Marin cast an advertisement for Treasure Terror's pet shop if she wasn't in the fractured magenta dimension too then? Aya looked at me with sad eyes, her dimples below the cleft in her chin. Fable, that's her world. Stay with me, she shouted. Don't get low tight now. I rubbed my eyes, trying to wipe away the magenta cellophane around my vision. We had a few days left of end school, and Heather was helping me in the tower with my packed time map. There were two things I just wouldn't turn in, but what end schooler did turn in everything. We all have an idea of what's planned for us this late in our learning years, despite what we say we want in our career path. Grandma was telling me it took her since Uncle L was assigned to get him to start relating to the tendrils that I would be a strong wavecaster. Eventually. I. Really didn't like him at first, but Uncle L is doing what any uncle does for a kind. For that, there's nothing I can throw him in ice over. Uncle L even started building canals for me to wavecast later. Though he did corral some portable equipment for me so the cove and whoever else listens can join me when I set out with the ducks. And up in that tower, Heather let me know something. Faye, I don't know how to say this easily. Let it out, mad love. She was quiet. Wrote a few things on the flyleaf for me to copy later. Gathered herself. I... I can't join you for your trip. I set my thermal pen down, replacing it with the fist of punch we were sharing. As I suckled, I took in what she said. The truth was, I had a feeling she wouldn't be able to. And that fact isn't the end of life as we know it. I set the fist of punch down. It's got a mean right hook. It's my favorite kind. I know. It's just, you know, my pop doesn't have many years stored up. I know. The tendrils, well, they really want me to start diving in. Become a brown nose in a couple years. That's really great, Heather. It isn't! She shoved the things on the slab in front of her aside, taking my hand. Hers was shaking, and her dazzling green hill eyes were terrified. I didn't know... I don't know how to express to her that she needs to find solace in things besides being berated. That's why I like her, I think. Because she's consistent, she's Heather. There's nothing about her or her father that I can't figure and that's reassuring to me in this frightening life. Even so, I want better for her. I, I think she'll really make waves, because even though I've only known her for this single violet season, there isn't an urchin in the cove who doesn't refer to her to find out what's going on. So I told her, it will be. How did you save me? Fable demanded. I knew I had to answer to get her back. Pop thinks my God. Calm down, Faye. It was help from sheer, Aya said, not explaining a damn thing. When she saw my frustrated puzzlement, she elaborated, Sheer, my family's Kraken. 
A giant shadow blotted out the dithering pink of the dying day that I wished so desperately to die with. I only saw a fleeting tentacle before it plunged into the great moony moss. A plume of peach particulates cast up, and absent-mindedly I traced where the red indent had been around my neck. Ropey, hair-like tentacles that evolved to help Kraken have more precise interactions with us. Can you do that? Was it really your Kraken? I... I didn't want to be pulled through dimension, and I stopped, because I've been... I've been happy since the incident here at the shore. You've got an affinity for it, Faye. Part of it is because of your wave casting, but it's because of you, Aya reiterated. I didn't get it. She was saying Sheer didn't pull me through dimensions, I think. I told Aya about my time with Heather and Sina. I explained Heather, and Aya agreed with her and Sina that I was different. Sina has told me that her father was working with the railroad spike. Maybe not the one I found, but she found it very interesting that the day her father put it through a fractal test, I found it. But there's more. Enzo turned his head towards us. I doubt it was because of our conversation. And she was right. The pin I took from the Lady of the Tendrils was holding my hair up in a bun. I didn't know what else to do with it. And even though we have top-notch runes at my alcove's threshold, I don't trust to leave it or the rail spike anywhere away from me. You know, listeners, since the championship doorball game, bad has deteriorated. I didn't fade while sitting with Aya. Yule, I know you're listening. Whatever our past has been after we parted at the shore, I decided to give you a chance. I... I won't let the past Aya that I knew interfere with the Yule that you... are. But with the shadow of no voice still cast over us, it's not too murky why Mum might have followed her own current. Jones could help me find my current. And you all feared that. My maddest father thinks Jones wants to uncover the veil shrouding the peppercorns. And that was a problem. I didn't know if that's what she thought, or if she was just reiterating what her pop thought. But there were voices from over the hill. They were shouting. It sounded like Heather and Jones. Get, get back? I couldn't be sure what they were saying, but Enzo got up, his pigs now urgling. Heather reached us first. I was impressed with how fast she could jet these days. She began to say something about how we- <coughs> This is a brief interlude from the Swooncraft Creative to inform you- I saw on the shore the I think she's the only one who can really see what you say she- Thank you. And now, back to the program. Grandma's been on the ceiling for a while. She's been carving the history of the Nox in a beautiful, sprawling story across the dining and living alcoves. She said she had traded the bar. She earned me half a century, and that meant a lot to me. I'd gotten a few years from the UV Wavecast and my week sponsoring Tenenbaum's Bloodstone Cleaners, and I was planning on that to carry me through the coming season. I was worried about a healthy future, but Grandma said that the Nox kin used to always look out for itself. My mom, the first break in our lineage. 
But with the shadow of no voice still cast over us, it's not too murky why Mum might have followed her own current. And Jones could help me find my current. And you all feared that, I think. That voice from over the shore, it was so fast, everything was so bright. A shimmering haze descended on us. Listeners, the smog stalker stepped through the dazzling miasma, its eyes piercing infrared, its calcified limbs knobbier and more pronounced than Enzo's. That's not the worst of it, though. It's cancerous skin. It, it's so loose it drags behind it, like a skeleton escaping its blotchy, spotted flesh. Listeners, the most loathsome part of all of these eldritch abominations is the odor. The rotted egg and coal stench of Enzo is something you can get used to, but this was worse than a gangrenous tumor built up over the last century of an elder's life when treatment stopped rejuvenating the body. And Jones was yelling for us to run, but Yule and Heather and I, we were locked by the glare of this thing, and it was upon us. And it was Enzo who acted, howling a piercing cacophony that left the shore silent. Everything was dark. Even the bright haze of the smog stalker was snuffed. The looming nothingness above us, the aisles that were deceptively long. I, I snapped out of the lock and grabbed at Yule, groping for the wavy I prayed she had, ignoring her confusion. When I found it, I traced up and down the waves until I found where I remember Dame Marin's cast being. <laughs> Back to that story, some listeners, but first we have to spend a moment praising our sponsors. First up, back in order after their incident the week break after their grand opening, Treat Your Terror Pet Day Shop. Was They've casting. got everything your soul companion could need. Treat Your Terror with food, clippers, bowls, toys, and more. Just past South Mesa Mall of I-363. Leashes and collars required. The Bastard Observer's new eyed check next up, we have ten of there were flashes of panic in pink and red after images. No, not you again, they cried. One of the employees of the fractured magenta dimension screamed, echoing from the back of the shop. Far off down the aisles was the glow of the smog stalker, and so nudged my thigh, shaking but stalwart in his gaze. Jones sighed. Get your Q9 some food, Knox. I whisked Enzo to the aisle I remember causing us a rush in the beginning of the violet season. As Enzo vanished hundreds of pounds of terror food, the plump woman who I remember being gleeful and rosy blinked in and out of my reality. She was clinging to the end of the aisle. She asked for us to help. I told her to keep quiet. I, I told her that I was sorry that, that this thing appeared here with us. Enzo... Enzo stopped consuming to watch me and look at the plump, not-so-gleeful and rosy woman. I knelt down. I told him that he was the best hair an urchin could be forced to have. In his gray eyes, I saw a maelstrom of understanding, an eternity of life unlike ours. The dark place where only the terrors lurk, plains of smog stalkers, zedded foes with tendrils, and foul creatures like my soulmate of a Q9 can survive. A place where the sky is ablaze, little lives, and each horror daps within generations to consume more, faster, and more efficiently. 
On the way to the shore, Yule told me about cheer, like I knew the years behind the words she was saying. It all sounded familiar. Then something she said really stuck out. Sometime around the start of the violet season, the lockers stopped getting broken into during doorball games. What would happen when the lockers were broken into, I asked. We'd find our clothes piled on the ceiling, covered in a little bit of viscous stuff. My heart thumped a little too hard, but I kept in my morbid laughter. Was it kind of musky, sugary, powdery? Yule stopped and lowered to scratch Enzo behind his ears. Yeah, I'd say sweetly musk. As she offered Enzo a treat and me a shroom chew, I had to ask, if you were to have an orgy, who would it include? I think she bit her tongue on her fungi snack, red-faced and mouth stretched just a bit too far to each side of her cleft chin, she stammered, I, I would have, where would it even be at? I, I think that's jumping the moon. You have to, you have to smog light a couple people, really find you, and then in the hour of the hate before you, you'll, I don't care what elders think we should do with ourselves. Yeah, but still we, chill, jitterfish. Would you include Heather? Yule gaped at me. I think that's the first face I've seen her make that wasn't flattering to her marble features. Well, you have to, aren't you? Don't you both compliment each other? I told her that we do, and she thought something was happening, and I told her everything was going to work out. That Heather wouldn't come with us. Yule seemed to expect that, but reassured me. So I asked her about Thad. Oh, no, he's not leaving the cove. He's almost... She searched the purple shine as we drifted nearer to the shore. She doesn't want to admit it or get too close to talking about it. I think. Listeners, I get it. I think. I don't know whatever it is that goes on with her, but at least I feel better that I got close to talking to her about a conversation that could lead to finding out what happened to Judaya. And I know that I'm still not affected by her. As we crest the hills overlooking the shore, she broke the silence. Missing you all this violet season has been like crawlers on the edge of my vision. You've always been in the periphery, but gone every time when I looked to anchor. I get that she missed me, but her words were a little too quantum after all my zetted episodes through the violet season. In a blink, the space around Enzo and I was empty. No stacks of terror food. His eyes were like stars stretching across the farthest reaches of space. In those eyes, shining for aeons unknown, I think I understood why the peppercorns act, and think the strange way they do. It doesn't take the example of the Eldritch to see these pinpoints of light long enough and want to know more. The doctrines that cover space beyond the smogs, it's vague. It's got to be purposely uninteresting to keep us looking no further than the smogs. Because if they describe the beauty that I found in Enzo's eyes, 
I doubt not that we would pierce the smogs above. Listeners, as I questioned even more about life on our tangerine speck, Jones had managed to cord the wrathful smog stalker. In a wretchedness I've never witnessed, it tore chunks of radioactive cancer from the sack of flesh connected to it, throwing them like crude biological bombs at Jones. At my friend. At my lover. I shouted, and Enzo growled, and its piercing eyes of infrared landed on us, where I knelt next to my Q9. Then I declared, Enzo! Feast! And my listeners, feast he did. It was, I'd never seen anything go into Enzo's mouth. The vastness of Enzo was realized in that moment. He, he, shelves, complete aisles were knocked aside by the girth of my Q9 as he consumed the smog stalker in its bulging, dazzling haze. My mind ached, my mind reeled. I sheltered Heather, and Yule sheltered me, and Jones sheltered us all. Enzo couldn't handle the smog stalker and its aura. There was no space light in his eyes, no gray looking back at me. His eyes were void. But rather than the desolate scape of what maybe the existence terrors come from, I could tell he was looking at me. The sack of pustules, tumors, and trauma hung out of Enzo. Heather recalled succumbing to the stench and falling away. I don't blame her or feel like she deserves to be iced. And Jones called out as I stepped forward. He said the pin was the key. As the quivering mass jerked and fought against the vacuum within Enzo, I reached for the needle from Anzio, the Lady of the Tendril and pet my terror's snout. There was no more time. Whatever the smog stalker was doing made Enzo expand to the registers, and I knew he was in pain. This wasn't right, but maybe it would work favorably, I thought. My hair unfurled as I brandished the pin, and I thrust it into the corpuscule girth of the smog stalker. For just an instant, everything froze. Then it burst, and in a flash, a quaking magenta and golden static buzzed in all of our senses. At the center was a dark blotch, and we were at the shore. It was the hour of the hate. Sina had joined us, and somewhere between the smog stalker and the smogs rolling in, Yule, Heather Jones, and myself couldn't stop reeling from what we'd been through. I think Heather recounted what happened. I couldn't hear much over this loathsome churning in my ears. Another stall was setting up for the coming season at the shore. My heartstrings plucked a tune of nostalgia. The first thing I'd felt besides Heather's warmth and the numbness of losing. Hey Heather, 
If that's a shaved ice stand, can you get us a platter to share? She smiled and jetted. Jones found himself recovered enough to switch gears. Urchins, I have to tell you, the trip might take a while. It's on the other side of our pink speck, Sina said. Yule glanced around. Will our suppliers work if we go past the Revo lines? Yes, Jones began before Sina interrupted. Aw, oh, Daddy Tentacle never took you past the shelf. Sina, I'm not my begged thuck parents. No, you're pure smelted slab such as means you've never closed your mouth and thought. Faye, Heather, they're not their big thucked parents, Yule. If you can't work together, I don't need either of you. The faults on Jones's face seemed deeper as they fought. I can't speak for what he hasn't said himself, but I get the feeling that he was lying and is depending on their help now. Heather was back, red-faced, but not straining like a version of her I once knew might have been. Hey, they said they won't be open till the smogs roll out in two-sevenths. Will you wait there to get us all the freshest shaved ice, my maddest love? Heather nodded and jetted again. Jones began telling my peers, in a timbre I didn't quite believe, that he didn't need anyone besides me, and started detailing how and where our trip would go. Sina and Yule listened, but what they didn't hear was him rippling. The more he explained, the more useful they sounded. But what he really rippled around was the actual point of the trip, and what made me so valuable. There was something he was hiding, something he needed me for when we reached the peppercorns, or maybe being his apprentice just meant following him around, but that's far less diabolical an idea. And truthfully, I couldn't bring myself to be that invested right then. I'd depleted my stores of caring on completing end school and Heather and Whatever just happened through the thankful smogs. Sounds good, I told them. Work out the details, I said. I'm gonna drift a bit, and I left. Sina started to call out, but Joan stopped her. Something about my solitude and the right mindset. Not like I went very far. I watched the plumes of pink as people of the fractured magenta dimension winked in and out. Near where I sat, I saw a girl about my age. It seemed she was watching me. If I've been on that side of the fracture, does that mean she sees me as a pink wisp? But wait, she winked in closer to me, and I think we realized at the same time, we're the same person. Is she the Fae that I took the place of? We didn't say anything. I think we were thinking different things, besides the obvious, that we should, should have, have expected, expected this. this. As she flickered in and out of my perceived reality, she lifted her skirts, reached to her thigh, and pulled her rail spike out. She put a finger to her lips and pointed. I saw Henry sitting on the edge of the moony moss. He looked better, less round, smaller in general. But maybe being magenta and transparent made my memory of him not match completely. It seemed like he was eating shaved ice, and Magenta Fay got up and creeped up behind him. She turned to see that I was still being a voyeur, 
and smiled before clobbering him upside the head and landing in his arms, spilling the ice across the sands. Nowhere was a fractured magenta version of a swine-snouted Q9. Did she ever have a terror? I shouldn't have gave in to Heather's desire to be used and sent her off. Even though the shore was alive for the first golden season since I was a girl, and Aya and Sina were joining me with Jones, and all of them were gathered on the hills to plan the coming golden season. And I had Heather, who was loyal, who I cared so much about, and who was at a shaved ice stand still waiting in a two-sevenths queue for me, for all of us. Without Enzo, I feel really alone.